Good morning, church family. My name is Caleb. I serve as one of the pastors here at Desert Springs. Who are you? Me. Yeah. My name is Enrique Salado, and I serve with our student ministry here. Awesome. <laughs> student ministry is in the house today. <laughs> uh, we're going to change up the pace a little bit today. It's going to be a ton of fun. We're going to have a, a bunch of interactions, so gear up for that. By the way, uh, if uh, on the way in, you should have received one of these packets um, that'll go through what we're going through today. For those of you who are joining us online, uh, there should be, if you're on our online platform, dsbc.online.church, there'll be a link to a digital version of this. If you are in the room and did, get, did not get a copy, would you raise your hand and one of our amazing hosts will run one down to you. So if you want one, uh, just, just wave your hand and uh, some of our host team will, will get that to you. Today's going to be really interactive. We want to make sure that you're following along with the text and with our program today. Wanted to make a couple quick uh, announcements real quick. One is that we are, uh, next week will be our last Sunday in our summer at DSBC schedule. Uh, if you guys haven't gotten one of these yet, in the back of the seat in front of you is a card with our summer calendar on it. Next week, which is the last week of this schedule, is big breakfast. Ooh. So we got eggs, oh, yeah. pancakes, oh, yeah. the whole deal. Uh, Chef Cliff and the crew are going to be putting together a beautiful spread. So that'll be uh, starting at 8.30 next week uh, in the patio and lobby. And then we'll join together uh, for a church-wide worship service at 9.30. Uh, today, after this service, we're going to be out on the lawn. Uh, we've got some water games for the kids. So right. I'd love to see you guys after this service for that. And then on August 1st, we are going back to our 9.30 and 11 schedule. So for those of you that uh, have made the immense sacrifice uh, of coming an hour and a half early to church, <laughs> uh, next, uh, excuse me, on August 1st, it'll go back to 11 o'clock. And so you can get your beauty sleep. Yep. And um, God knows some people need it. Amen. You know, it's been a rough summer. I think it's the humidity. Uh, we are, okay, so that's how it's going to go today. So we are uh, all about equipping people to step into their area of gifting that, that God has given to them to bless and to serve others. Um, one of the things that we hope to do today is to give you some tools, uh, equip you to be able to study the Bible. I know that for, um, for some of us, the Bible is kind of scary, it's kind of weird, uh, maybe there's some of us who are still trying to figure out who Jesus is, and I'm so glad you're here. Uh, we want to invite you to kind of eavesdrop and actually study along with us. Um, it is a common thing for people who aren't sure what they think about Jesus to read and study the Bible and to do that in the context of community. So we're so glad that you're here today. Uh, we don't believe in indoctrination. Uh, we believe in equipping. So our, our job is not to indoctrinate you, force you to believe whatever we think you need to believe. Our job is to equip you to discern your own convictions by the power of the Spirit of God. And so we keep going back to Scripture. Uh, you'll even hear us say things like that we're gonna, we want to present this to you, we're going to argue this point, or we, we, want, we see this, do you see the same thing? Because at the end of the day, our hope is that you would discover your own convictions by the power of the Spirit, not just adopt somebody else's convictions. In fact, I, I want to argue uh, that borrowed convictions are really dangerous. Uh, because if we don't know why we believe the thing, we just kind of go off uh, and, and end up hurting maybe ourselves or other people. So I'm excited about today. Uh, Enrique, tell us about what you and the students have been doing on Sunday mornings. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, so we believe that one of the best ways to study the Bible is to do it together. And so every Sunday morning, we've been meeting in the student center, um, and we've been going to the book of Mark. It's been a journey, so we're taking it step by step. And so sometimes we go through a chapter, sometimes we just go through a verse. It all depends on how we're, how we're feeling, how we're, how we're going. 
That's awesome. Yeah. And you and I have talked about it uh, a, a couple months ago. Enrique was sharing with me how awesome the students yeah. are doing, They're super engaged, uh, pointing out things that I didn't see in the text or that Enrique maybe didn't see at the time. And so we wanted to create space today to bring, uh, we, right. could, we couldn't all fit over in the student center, yep. so we're bringing uh, that into this space. Yep. And uh, I just want to say to those of you who are not under the age of 18, um, <laughs> we're behind the curve. They are setting the pace for us, and we've got some catching up work to do, okay? So uh, Caleb told uh, me you guys would be interactive, and so that's what I'm hoping to, to see out of, our, out of the service. This group of people? Yeah, this group of people. These people? Yeah. These Philistines? This, yeah, these, these people. Interactive <laughs> is a word that I, okay, so we'll see, we'll see, so we'll see. Okay, so if you guys would, please, get out your pamphlet, or if you have a Bible, uh, open your Bible to Mark chapter 8, verses 22. We're going to read verse 22 through 38. And we're going to spend uh, some time together this morning. And we're going to, my encouragement to you is if you have a pen, uh, get out your pen. If you have a highlighter, that's weird that you carry around a highlighter. Um, (laughs) But if you have one, awesome. Today's the day that you've been waiting for because you get to put it to use. Uh, If you have, if you don't have a pen, there's some available in the back of the seats in front of you or on the tables in the back. Also, there's Bibles back there if you guys want one. But but you have the text in front of you. The reason that we printed it out was so you, you could mark it up. Uh, so you could notice some things. And, and we, want, we wanted you to be able to put your eyes on the text, so we're not using the TV today, um, because there are things that you will catch, that you will see, that yeah. you will discover when you actually read the thing together, and then when we dialogue about it uh, as a community. And like Enrique said, I, I, I'm certainly not against reading the Bible on your own. I think that's great. I do it personally. Uh, but really, at least in my experience, and, and I think in most Christian tradition, reading the Bible together is when it really comes alive. When you actually argue about the thing and come from your different perspectives, uh, it really starts to come alive. And so we're going we're to try to do our best to do that in this format this morning. But my encouragement to you would be to continue this practice and dialoguing about the Bible with others. So I'll, I'll read uh, verses 22 through 38. Just want to ask you to notice, uh, if you look uh, on the middle page there, the reflection and discussion questions. If you want to just take a quick glance at that, uh, we're going to kind of be going through those. Just want to encourage you to just notice as I read. What do you notice? Who are the people, places, things? What's going on? What's weird? Yep. Uh, what, what, do you, what do you think is happening in the text? So before we ever jump to application, we just want to notice. And so just notice as you uh, hear and read along. This is Mark chapter 8, verses 22 through 38. They came to Bethsaida. They brought a blind man to him. They begged him to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and brought him out of the village, spitting in his eyes and laying his hands on him. He asked him, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking. Again, Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes. The man looked intently, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Then he sent him home, saying, don't even go into the village. Jesus went out with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the road, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others, one of the prophets. But you, he asked them. Who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, You are the Messiah. 
and he strictly warned them to tell no one about him. Then he began to teach them that it was necessary for the Son of Man to suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and scribes, be killed, and in three days rise. He spoke openly about this. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning around and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are not thinking about God's concerns, but human's concerns, human concerns. Calling the crowd along with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone wants to follow after me, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life because of me and the gospel will save it. For what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world and yet lose their life? What can anyone give in exchange for their life? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of them when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. And this is the word of the Lord. So, Enrique... Yes. What's one of the first questions that you guys ask in student ministries? So the first question we've been asking is, what type of literature are we reading? I think it's important to know what type of literature we're reading so we have a better understanding of what we're looking at. So in the Bible, there's like, uh, there's poetry. Like, uh, poetry. Yeah. What else? Uh, there's, there's Proverbs, books of wisdom. Okay. Uh, there's song. Songs, um, okay. Historical, right? Okay. And, and so what, what type of literature are we reading when we read Mark? The book of Mark is a story. It's a narrative. It's the life of Jesus Christ and the uh, interactions that he had with real-life people. Okay, so if you, if you read Mark from start to finish, you're going you're gonna to get whatever Mark thinks or the author of Mark thinks right. is the story that they're trying to tell. So it's That's a narrative right. flow. It's, it's a story. Yep. Okay? Good. So as you read the book of Mark, um, the thing you've got to be reminded about is it's telling, he's talking about Jesus. He wants you to know who Jesus is. Yeah, so it's right. a story about Jesus or good news about Jesus. That's right. Uh, and, and so the author's trying to make a point. Yep. All right? Good. What's the second question? All right, the second question is, what is happening in the story? We like to break down what's going on, just kind of point things out, and then later on uh, dive deep into them. All right, yeah. so just for y'all, like, what's going on in the story? There's a couple of different things. What did you guys notice that was happening in the story? Come on now. There's a healing? There's a healing. Yeah. What else right. happens? Say it again. Peter rebukes yep. Jesus? Can you believe that guy? Man, and then Jesus, re- Jesus is like, what? what? And then <laughs> does it back to him? Yeah. yeah. Such a boss move, right? It's so boss. <laughs> it's like getting called in for a review and then reviewing the... Yeah, I love that. <laughs> what else? What else is happening? There's prophecy. Yeah. Okay, what else? Discipleship. Discipleship. Jesus is teaching them yeah, uh, right. along the way. Where are they? Like, and, and what is their... Are they in a house? Say it one more time. Yeah, they're walking around. Yep. Uh, you'll notice a couple of times they're, they're walking to a place or from a place. That's right. So this is like on the road, right? What else is happening? If you were at a baseball game, if you were an outfielder, what would you do at least 27 times during the course of a game? You would spit. <laughs> is there any spitting going on in this text? Yeah, yep. all right, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. 
There's anything also else? Really, there's also a really important question Jesus asked his disciples as well. Oh, yeah. It's right. like the key question. Yep, it's like right in the middle. So, hold up. You're telling me that in the middle of this text, yep. which, by the way, seems to be, where are we? What chapter are we in? Book of Eight. Uh, roughly how many chapters are there in the Gospel of Mark? Anybody know? 15, 16. 15, 16, somewhere in there. So we're like almost, we're like maybe some would even argue we are in the middle of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Some people would even maybe say we're at a turning point in the gospel where like after this moment, almost everything is about going to Jerusalem and going to the cross. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here we are at the center. We're kind of at the, like if you just think about Mark like this, we're kind of at this pinnacle, yep. right? And at the pinnacle is this question. What's the question? is who do they say I am? Who do they say I am? Did you guys hear that question when we read it? Who do people say that I am? There's two questions, right? First question is, who do people say I am? And what was the other one? Who do you say that I am? He yep. dri- did you guys notice that he drives it down deeper? Yeah. So this whole thing seems to be, at least, at least, some of what we're seeing here is, this is about a big question that's at the very heart of the Gospel of Mark, which is what question? Who do you think who is? Jesus. Jesus, okay, good. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, what's the third question? Oh, this is one of my uh, favorite questions because okay. this is where I ask our students to get their highlighters. Okay. Although I don't think you guys probably have highlighters with you. But I, didn't, I didn't give them a heads up. It's right. my failure. It's, it's, I have like eight in the You back. went to seminary. Come on. You should have I should have known this. Known. <laughs> uh, so people, places, and things. We like to highlight um, the people, uh, the places, and things, and um, try to figure out why they're why they're in the story. Why they're in the yeah, story. They're pretty significant, right? Let's do people first. <laughs> yep. What people do you notice? Who's in the story? Or, who, or who's referenced? That's yep, a good there one we too. go. That's also. Blind guy? The blind guy. Disciples? Disciples. Peter, mm-hmm. his name specifically? Jesus, his name specifically? Anybody else? Say it one more time. Crowd? Crowd. Johnny B? There we go. Satan is mentioned. Mm-hmm. There was another, there's another, like, a dude, I think he was a prophet. Um, mm-hmm. Fire. What was it? Yeah. For, boom. Or, yep, yeah. What's his name? Elijah. Elijah. There we go. Okay. Anybody else? Or any other names? Like the last verse? Angels? God the Father? There's another weird phrase. Son of man. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. That's really interesting. All right, so we notice that. All right, let's do places. For, we already noticed we're on the road. What are a couple of the places? Maybe at the very first verse, verse 22. We're at, we're at uh, Bethsaida. Bethsaida, yeah. Which I think means house of the fisher. Yeah, I think it was known to be a little t- a fisherman town. Yeah. People who, who dedicated their lives to fishing. And if you, if you, have, if you have a Bible with maps in the back... Um, which is where I spent a lot of time as a kid because there were pictures. <laughs> yeah. uh, you'll notice if you look at uh, like a, um, uh, a map where there's the Sea of Galilee, it's kind of like at the northern part of the Sea of Galilee. So tons of fishing went on here. Is there any other places mentioned? Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi. Now, Caesarea Philippi is, if, you, if you're at the fishing village of Be- or the fish town of Bethsaida and you go north, you'll be in Caesarea Philippi. But one of the things that we know about Caesarea Philippi is this was like a Roman... Uh, not fortress, but it, w- but it was a Roman stronghold. Uh, it, was, it would not have been uh, populated predominantly be, uh, by uh, Jewish people. It was predominantly a, a Roman or what they would call uh, the Gentiles. All right, so Caesarea Philippi. I just want to say what an interesting point our students made is 
the fact that Jesus, um, wherever there was a body of water, that's where Jesus was. Oh, interesting. That's where people were, right? That's where they kind of set up their homes and stuff. And so we see him travel often along around the Sea of Galilee. So just a really interesting point. Yeah, like the Jordan River, the Sea of Galilee. That's a great observation. Yeah. Shout out to my students. Yeah, dude. Good job. Good. People, places, any things? There's some, there was, there was it's, is it a people or a thing uh, in verse 24? Anyone, any Lord of the Rings fans here? Anyone, anyone willing oh, to, to share? Okay, <laughs> testify. Uh, are you familiar with what an ent is? What's an ent? A, a sentient tree, right? A self-aware tree. Yeah. Uh, th- I don't think that's what's being talked about here, but I would, I would like it if it was. That would be cool. Um, <laughs> verse 24, maybe this is where Tolkien got his uh, inspiration from. Uh, the blind person, af- after Jesus does the thing, the spitting mm-hmm. and, the, and, and touching, and, and then he says, I-, I see people, but they what? They look like trees. look like trees walking around. Time out. Have you ever seen trees walking around? Cartoons. Isn't that, isn't that weird? Yeah. We're going to get to the weird question here in a minute. I love this stuff. Okay, let's keep going. All right, what's the next question? Sweet. So fourth question, is this alluding to, citing, or reference, referencing another part of Scripture? Okay. What do you guys think? And, and by the way, if this is your first time ever reading Scripture, that's awesome. I'm so good to hear. I want to I just give you a, a quick heads up. Uh, do you, do you, uh, how many of y'all remember what it was like learning how to drive a car? You guys remember that? Yep. Wasn't it horrifying? <laughs> and, and, and you remember the first time you got on the freeway? Oof. And you're like, these maniacs. <laughs> Who gave these people a license, right? And, and when you're first learning how to drive, what are you thinking about? You're thinking about what? Everything. Yeah. Everything. And everything is intense and everything is strange and nothing feels right. But after you drive a thousand times, what do you think about when you're driving? You think about walking trees <laughs> think about walking and what trees. you're going to eat, <laughs> right? You, you, you develop the skill to be able to engage in what really is an intense process, but you develop the skill by doing it over and over and over again. And I just want to encourage you that, that studying your Bible the first thousand times is kind of like that. And that's not, the, so, so here's the deal. So, so you're going to totally miss it. I totally miss it. I still am missing things, and Enrique corrects me frequently. But that doesn't mean that that idea that, oh, this is scary or this is a big deal or there's so much complexity to it is going to keep me from going in. No, there's so much beauty to it. Uh, are you guys familiar with like um, any, um, oh, what are those movies or, or series of books called? Like a, like a Harry Potter, Lord oh, of the yeah, Rings. What's the, what would we call those things? Like multiple episodes of a long a series. saga, right? Um, Star Wars, there's 87 of them now. When I was growing up, we had three, you know, so <laughs> congratulations, gluttons. And, um, and if you want to, sometimes entering into the story can feel so overwhelming and you start missing things. But after you, after you read it a few times, after you engage with it a few times, you start putting pieces together, don't yeah. you? Uh, anyone a fan of the Marvel Universe movies? Oh, yeah. I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> okay, all I know is Sherlock Holmes is dr- walking around weirdly. Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange, <laughs> yeah. and he's doing magic, and, and something happened to Iron Man that's not good. Yeah. Okay, I have no idea. So when I'm that's watching bad. the movie, I'm watching it, f- f- and everything is strange to me. But when I watch it with some of my friends who have watched it a uh, hundred times, they're like, have you ever s- watched a movie with a person like this? They're like, oh, wait, 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 wait this part. 
Really? Wait, wait, this part. <laughs> Do you see that? Do you see the little sticker on the kid's backpack when they're walking? That ties back to the other movie. And the... Are you guys familiar with this concept? That's reading your Bible. After you engage with the story multiple times, you'll start, you'll start to see things popping out, start, see things start fusing together, but you don't get there until you do it the first few hundred times. And that's okay. So don't allow your unfamiliarity to keep you from diving in. There's so much beauty here. And Jesus wants for you to discover him in the text. Right. So let's keep going. Okay, what was the question? I got a little preaching. I just got to point out, it's, I have an upfront, I have a front seat to Caleb's all this, which is really cool. Usually it's like. It's over there, like yeah. That. Congratulations. I'll charge you extra next time. <laughs> All right, next question. Well, what was the what was the, oh, the illusion question? question? Okay, See? yeah, I got. I got. That's what happens. I got go all sermony there. Uh, what's uh, is this alluding, citing, or referencing another part of scripture? Yeah. Anybody got anything? Anything come up? What? What? Sorry. What was it? Yep. Oh, the They're referencing the prophets, that's which right. you find back in what we refer to as the Older Testament. That's yep. right. The cross. Yeah. There's the cross. an allusion to the cross that Jesus seems to allude to it. Yeah. What yeah. else? Yeah, we're yep. alluding to earlier parts in the Gospel of Mark and some That's of the right. other Gospels. Yeah, John the Baptist. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yes. He's, for, he's, he's forecasting a resurrection. Yeah. yeah. Yep, there's an allusion to Satan. So we're, so we're expected, when we read this, we're expected to know the weight of that word. Good. What else? Say it again. I, sorry, there, I can't hear it. What? Messiah? Yep, the Messiah. Oh, yeah. Good. What about this son of man thing? Yeah. That's kind of weird. Jesus seems to refer to himself as a son of man. Is that anywhere? Several times. Oh. Yeah. Tell me more. Place. Well, actually, there's a, there's a man, there's a prophet by the name of Daniel. Okay. And he has a dream. Is, is there anything in the Bible about Daniel? Oh, yeah. It's in the Old Testament. Okay. What's the book called? The book of Daniel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Daniel has this dream where he sees the son of man, right, and and it's this beautiful, amazing moment of this some, someone like kind of like a king-like position, okay. right, with authority overseeing. overseeing so, so Daniel the prophet, hundreds of years before this happening, yeah. uh, writes down one of his visions, yeah. which is of a, of, a, of a hero or a king yeah. to come yeah. who's going to reestablish uh, a kingdom, maybe. That's right. And he refers to him as the son of man. Is That's that, right. Am I getting that right? Yeah. Okay, great. You know what's really interesting? Um, I, I think the early, early readers of, the, of this text, when they saw that, they would have been like, oh, we know, we know this, right? Yeah, they knew. Yeah. They knew, they had heard Son of Man growing up yeah. when their mom taught them Daniel. That's right. Okay, cool. Uh, what's the next question? Next question, let's see. Um, what themes, types, or popular phrases are referenced in this text? Oh, yeah, did you guys notice anything? Themes, types, or popular phrases? We already did Son of Man. Yep. Is there anything that's repeated over and over again? Or a type of word that's repeated over and over again? Son of Man? Son of man. What else? Don't tell anyone. Don't tell oh, anyone. Yeah, yeah, that's huge. Or, or don't go to the village. Yeah, mm -hmm. Jesus, to the, to, the, uh, to the blind man, he says, don't go to the village. And to the disciples, what does he say to them? Shh. Yeah, be quiet. That's interesting. Okay, what else? How about on your far left panel, like verses 22 through 26? Is there any 
uh, word or similar words that get repeated. See. Did you, did you notice the word see and look or looked like or any sort of words related to vision? You guys catching it? Like how many are there? Sight, see, look, right? Now, here's, here's what we didn't include in the panel, and, and that's okay. That's, I love the fact that, that y'all who are following along in your Bibles are, are doing so. If you go back just a few verses in uh, chapter 8, same chapter we're in, verse 17, you'll see Jesus frustrated with his disciples after he does this miracle of feeding 4,000. He's frustrated with his disciples because they don't get it. They don't get Jesus. And Jesus says, don't you see or understand? And so if we were to read this whole section, we, that would jump off the page of us, uh, at us. See, 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 look, 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 see, sight, 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 right? There is a, it's, I'm going to argue that there is a motif of vision or seeing or understanding. And I'd like to, are you guys ready for the payoff? Can you think of any other time in this chapter where a person following Jesus thinks they understand Jesus, but actually totally misses it? Can you think of any time in this chapter where someone thinks that they see clearly, but really they see a distorted vision? Yeah. So, so here's the deal. Is this, uh, 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 is this uh, episode of Jesus healing the blind man in any of the other Gospels? No. So we find Jesus frequently healing, but this, yeah. this specific type of healing we find, uh, did you guys notice how weird this was? Really weird. Like, has Jesus ever healed somebody before this point? Yes. Yeah, I mean, just take a stab at it. Yeah. And usually he does stuff like this, you're healed. Right? Or like, be healed. Or he doesn't even have to be present. Yeah. There's times where he raises people from the dead, he's not even present. But here, did, like, let me ask you a question. Was this a swing and a miss? Did Jesus hit a foul ball on this miracle? I'm going to read it again, okay? Remember, this is Jesus, right? King and creator of the universe, holds the universe together by the word of his power, and you have uh, verse 23. He takes the blind man by the hand, brings him out of the village. By the way, TV time out. Can you imagine that? Just imagine that. Imagine Jesus taking this man by the hand and leaving the crowd behind. In fact, I want to encourage you, as you read the Gospels, take note of how frequently Jesus leaves the crowds behind. So he takes this man, and he's with him alone, and he's away from the village. Verse 23, the second part. Spitting on his eyes and laying his hands on him, he asked him, do you see anything? Now notice this. Who's asking the questions here? That's right. Is that common? Is it common for Jesus to ask if his miracle worked? It's interesting, at least it's interesting to note that here he's like, how did, it, how did I do? <laughs> and he looks up and he said, I see people, but they look like trees walking which is a distorted view of people, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. 
Again, second time, Jesus places his hands on the man's eyes. The man looks intently, and his sight was restored, and he saw what? What does the text say? Clearly. He saw everything clearly. Did Jesus hit a foul ball? Or is something more going on here? I would, I would submit to you that the author Mark explicitly has this placed as an image or a dramatization of what's going on inside of the hearts of his disciples yeah. in the very next section. Now, you don't have to agree with that. I'd encourage you, keep reading, read it a thousand times, talk to your friends about it, pray, and see what you discern. But I, 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 my understanding is, my current thought is that Mark intentionally puts this here to give a physical representation of what's going on in the spiritual condition of his disciples in the very next text. Yeah. So, okay. what's the next question? You okay with going to question seven? Oh yeah, hit it. All right, sweet. My favorite question. What seems weird? And would the original audience think it was weird? What seems weird? The spit. The spit. Huge. Yeah, do you want to know what the, uh, how to resolve that? Like how to make it not weird? Anybody? Anybody want to know? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> the, the best answer that I've seen somebody attempt that I've seen is that, that the original audience would have understood it to be some sort of medicinal practice that healers in the area did. That's, that's a possibility, but I don't know. Okay, so I, I've seen bumper stickers that says Jesus saves. I would gladly spend $10 for one that says Jesus spits. <laughs> <laughs> that way, Friends, that it's way. in your Bible. It's biblical. <laughs> what else is weird? If you were Peter, what would you think was weird? Being called yes. Satan. yes. When was the last time you were called Satan? <laughs> right? What is going on, Enrique? That's huge. T tell, me, tell me the story. Like, what happened? This is a really intense moment. Because here is Peter, um, who th thinks, of, uh, thinks that Jesus is a certain someone, right? right? And he calls him out, right? And then Jesus takes him to the side, right? Or uh, Peter takes him to Peter the side. Peter takes Jesus yeah, to the go. side. There we go. And then he tells him, yo, like, what are you, what are you, you're saying you're going to suffer? Like, what's going on? Like, no, never. And then Jesus calls him out and says, get behind me, Satan. Now, I've done um, a couple of word studies on the word Satan. And one of the things that I learned is Satan um, means the great adversary, right? So being against whatever is good, mm -hmm. being against what, uh, who God is and God's plans. And so here we clearly see Peter be, being kind of against Jesus, yeah. right? And, and who, and what, what he's going to do, right? Or what he must go through. Yeah. And Peter doesn't like it, right? Peter, I'm, I would imagine he doesn't like it. Yeah. Notice, too, <laughs> this is so boss. Uh, verse 33. Remember, Peter takes Jesus to the side mm -hmm. and rebukes him. And then what does Jesus do? Where does he take Peter? Back to the disciples. <laughs> do you guys see that? Interesting. It's almost like he has something to teach yeah. in this statement. Like, yeah. this isn't just... We're not just getting insider information. There's something else going on here. Yeah. So let's see if we can discern what's going on. Verse uh, 28, uh, excuse me, verse uh, uh, 27. What's the big question? 
Who do people say that I am? And by the way, where are they? They're on the road to where? Caesarea Philippi. And we know that Caesarea Philippi is a stronghold for which empire? Roman. Roman Empire. In fact, it's not only a stronghold for the Roman Empire. One of the things that we know, too, is that it, uh, it had a temple uh, cut out of a mountainside, actually in like a grotto, uh, to the god Pan, which was the god of the wild. And so it was not only a military center, it was also a, kind of a spiritual center. And office, uh, oftentimes those two things would be interwoven. And so here they are, they're kind of out of their normal space, they're, they're headed up to, or in proximity to, uh, a powerful Roman space. And actually, there's this really interesting thing going on in the Gospel of Mark, where proclamations of Jesus being the Messiah happen adjacent to powerful Romans. Notice here, this proclamation of Jesus and the Messiah is when they're on the way to where? Cicero Philippine. And if you fast forward to the end, there's a person who stands at the foot of the cross and makes a proclamation of Jesus being the Son of God. Yeah. Do you know what his job was? He was a soldier. Roman centurion. Yeah. And so Mark seems to be teasing something out here for us that, that even the Romans get it. Okay, yeah. That's interesting. Um, so who do people say that I'm? Verse 29, what's the answer? What is it? So other people say, I'm John, you're John the Baptist, you're Elijah, you're one of the prophets. And then he says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter stands up and says... You're the Messiah. Okay, what, what does Messiah mean? That, that sounds like super religious language. Yep. Uh, Messiah just means the anointed one. If, have you guys ever heard the word Christ? That's just the translation of the word Messiah. It's just the anointed one. And in, in the Older Testament, there's three basic categories of people who would be anointed. Prophets, priests, and kings. Prophets who speak God's word, right, his truth to this present moment. Uh, priests who intercede between, for God and the people and people for God. And then third, kings who do what kings do when they, they do king stuff. Mm-hmm. And I want to ask you a question. Put yourself in Peter or one of the disciples' shoes. You live in a small rural area under the oppressive regime of the Roman Empire. It used to be that your people had a land. It had their own king. But now you are forcibly under the rule and dominion of the oppressive regime of the Romans. What do you think the Messiah Christ anointed one is going to do? Go kill the Romans. Is that right? Like, is that what you want if you're in their shoes? Come now. Of course. There's all these whispers of a promised one, That's right. and they watch Jesus do stuff that would be really helpful in a, in a military takeover. How many people can he feed? So you'd give this man some fish and loaves, and he could feed an army, which is what we're going to need. Yeah. And then some dead people died, and you know what he did to them? He brought them back to life, which is what we're going to need when we take over the Romans. Do you see it? You see, this language of cross and crucifixion and Messiah or anointed one, one of the things that we fail to see is that this is deeply political language. This is military language. So why, notice, why does Peter behave the way he does? What does Jesus say to Peter? Before, he says, you're the Messiah. Verse uh, 30, strictly warn them to do what? Tell no one. 
about him. If you're the Messiah, don't you, <laughs> don't you want the good news to be spread? Why was Jesus constantly going like this? Shh! Why do you think? Could be the wrong message. Yeah. Could be the wrong... What was it over there? He doesn't want to be targeted. Yeah. But moreover, what does everybody want the Messiah to do? Kill Rome. Yeah. Right? Now notice, if that is going on in Peter's heart when he says, you're the Messiah... What does Jesus say? Uh, look at verse uh, 31. You tell me. Some, uh, read verse 31 aloud, would you please? Then he began to teach them that it was necessary for the Son of Man to suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and scribes, and be killed and rise, af rise after three days. Is that what the Messiah is supposed to do? Like if you're Peter, is that what the Messiah is supposed to do? No. Notice this. Who's mentioned... Uh, as the ones who, are re who reject him. The good guys. <laughs> Can you believe it? The Romans aren't the bad guys, at least in this setup. It's the good guys. It's the powerful elite. It's the religious elite. Yeah. The ones who think that they're in. Jesus has been going on and on and on about ushering in his kingdom and being the chosen one, being the anointed one. And of course, of course, the most natural thing for all of us to think is that he's going to go kill a bunch of people and establish us as the boss. And so what does Jesus say? I'm going to where? What's he going to do? He's going to suffer. He's going to suffer. Mm -hmm. He's going to be rejected. And he's going to die. Could you see yourself saying to him what Peter says to him? What does Peter say to him? Somebody tell me. He rebukes him. And has your mind changed about this moment in the last 20 minutes from when we first read it? Right? When I first came to this text, I remember thinking, ah, oh, Peter, <laughs> you know, this guy. What an idiot. But if I put myself in Peter's shoes, do you, would this not be the same thing you would do? And what does Jesus say to Peter? What's he say? He says, get behind me, Satan. You're not thinking about God's concerns, but a human concern. Yeah. And then look at verse 34. What happens next? What does Jesus do? Calls the crown. Calls a crowd, and then what does he say? Somebody tell me. Anyone? Take up, if you want to follow me, you take up your what? Cross. cross. Now listen, in like modern day English, when we say bearing one's cross, we usually mean suffering. The cross is a, is a military political tool to execute political prisoners. G, above, I'll prove it to you, okay? I'll prove it to you. Above Jesus, when he was being crucified, above his head was what statement? This is the king, king of the Jews. the Jews. Jesus is claiming kingship, but not in the way that all other kings claim kingship. Yeah. How, do, how do kings establish their kingdom? By what? By force. Yeah. And how do they maintain power in their kingdom? 
By force. By force. By dealing what? Death. Mm-hmm. By dealing death. And how does Jesus usher in his kingdom? By taking death and beating it. Mm-hmm. Notice in the statement at the very pinnacle of the Gospel of Mark. I will be, uh, he says, I will suffer many things. The elders, chief scribes, uh, they'll be, reject him, and I'll be killed. And three days later, what? I'll rise. Right. So have you guys ever heard of Easter? Yep. Easter is the proof that the true way to power is down and not up. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard it said, Enrique, that to be the first, you are to be the last? Yeah, I believe Jesus said it. To be the leader of all is to be the servant of all. Mm -hmm. Jesus has an upside-down power dynamic, doesn't he? What is Peter's power dynamic when he rebukes Jesus? What does he want Jesus to do? He believes that uh, that Jesus is going to usher in his kingdom by force. By force. By violence. By violence. And why does Jesus say, get behind me, Satan? You are concerned about the things of human concerns, not the concerns of God. Why does he say that? Because that's not the way he's going to usher in his kingdom. Right. In fact, it's the opposite way. That's right. Do you guys see that Peter had a distorted view of Jesus? Mm-hmm. Do you see it? He had a, he had a, he had a view of Jesus, right? G- he was proximate to Jesus, but he had a distorted view. And then after looking intently upon Jesus, just like the blind man, later in the gospel, you'll see that Peter gets a full, clear picture of who mm-hmm. Jesus is. What's the last question? The last question, 30, verse 36? No, 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 the last oh. question on the thing. Oh. Have you done this before? I have. Okay. This is a lot more questions than we usually go through, but you, know, you went through seminary, so you wanted to do this. Here we go. Why would God, <laughs> why would God preserve this for me to read now? Why would God preserve this for us to read now? Well, Enrique, I wonder something. I wonder if it would ever be possible for Christians to be tempted to take power for themselves, Mm -hmm. to elevate themselves, to seek just uh, ends through unjust means, Mm -hmm. uh, establishing their own kingdom by force. By force. I wonder if that could ever be a temptation that I might have. Hmm. What do you guys think? Have you ever been tempted to take by force? Have you ever been tempted to use the tools of this world's kingdom for your own gain and security? Here's another interesting question I have. What is it? Would it ever be that I'm tempted to make Jesus into my own image? To see Jesus how I want to see him. To make Jesus fit my mold for him. Could that ever be a temptation for us? I wonder why God might preserve this for us today. Hmm. This isn't a sermon, so I'm not going to give you any application points, but I do wonder about these things. I wonder about power and how we think of it and use it, or long for it or not. 
I wonder about my expectations for Jesus and his concerns. Yeah. And I wonder if I'm going to be ashamed of Jesus. Because mm. he does stuff that I don't really, it doesn't jive with my prejudices. Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I would prefer him to be more like me. Yeah. Have you ever experienced that? I have. Yeah. One of the things that uh, came to mind as you were talking about the way that Peter um, thought that Jesus was going to usher in his kingdom is a quote that I read by Napoleon Bonaparte. And so I like Googling things. Anybody like Googling things? I Google things. And one of the things I wanted to know is throughout the course of history, what have other kings or um, great people have said? What have they said about Jesus? Mm -hmm. Or did they say anything about Jesus? Mm -hmm. Or did they know Jesus at all? And he's one of the... He's one of the guys that I came across, and he said, um, I and many other uh, generals, kings, right, um, built empires on, by force, right? But Jesus, that guy, he built his empire on love. And in a, heart, in a heartbeat, people would lay down their lives for him. And yeah. so that just stood out to me, this idea of his kingdom being an upside-down kingdom and not being ushered in by force, but by, by through love, through submission, through giving up his life. Yeah, yeah. He, he seems to say something like that here. Calling the crowd, verse 34, calling the crowd along with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone wants to follow after me, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Mm -hmm. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life because of me and the gospel will save it. For what does it benefit for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose their life? And what can anyone give in exchange for their life? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in glory, in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. This isn't a sermon, so I have no application, but I do have a question, and then I'm going to pray and we'll dismiss. How might I be having a distorted view of Jesus? What are the lenses that cloud my eyes when I, stride, when I strive to see him? I wonder perhaps if that question would be a guiding thought for you as well today. Let me pray for us. Father, we love you, Jesus. We love you. We want to see you clearly. We want to follow you rightly. We are always at risk of heaping upon you our own expectations of you, Jesus. And so now in this moment, Lord, would you not only draw us nearer to you, but give to us a clearer sense and picture of who you are, the type of people that you're calling us to be. Lord, we love you. We give you thanks. We know that you love us. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for being here today. Can we thank Enrique and the student ministries for leading thank us you. Today? Thank you. Hey, remember, we've got Water Day outside for you. We'll see you guys next week. Right, Love y'all.